Well, this morning, uh, Blake and I are both doing something a little different here at Anderson, also at Southwood. I'm going to kind of give you a state of the church address. Um, I'm going to talk about who we are as a church and where we're going. And the reason that we're doing that uh, can be very nicely illustrated in a very spiritual movie. It's called The Born Identity. Um, I'm sure that there's, there's probably a, a Jane Austen novel somewhere that also illustrates this, but I just don't know what it is or how to use it. So we're, I'm going to stick with what I know. We're going to go with uh, Born Identity. Uh, in the story, Jason Bourne is a spy and he wakes up on a boat and he has amnesia. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know how he got there and he doesn't know where he should go. The result is that he is uh, confused, he's distraught, and he lacks direction. Uh, I see that happening frequently to churches. When churches lose a sense of their identity, they don't know what's next. And when they lose a sense of identity, what normally happens is they become very inwardly focused, and they lose their capacity to be salt and light in the world. And so this morning, I want us to take a little bit, bit of time and review Uh, who we are as a church, where God has led us, and then look forward to what is next. So I want to begin by talking about uh, the mission of Grace Bible Church. The mission is very simple in many respects. Our mission is the same as the mission of absolutely every church. Just my opinion, but I don't think the church gets to choose its mission. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the founder of the church. His blood purchased the church. He began the church through the new covenant. And so he says, this is the mission of the church. It can be synthesized in two statements by Jesus. The first is what we call the great commandment. It reads like this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That's the great commandment. Second statement that Jesus made is called the great commission. It reads like this. Jesus came up and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Now, those two sections of scripture are, are packed Uh, And the commandments, there are several in there. They're not separate commandments. They're actually complementary commandments. The idea is that when we begin to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything that's in us, then we begin to love the things that God loves. And what God loves is that every man, woman, and child would know him and love him and worship him. In other words, we can sum up the entire mission of the church in what we call discipleship. And I'm going to give you a very simple definition of discipleship this morning. It is this. A disciple means a maturing and multiplying worshiper of Jesus Christ. Maturing, that is growing in our love for Jesus Christ, God the Father and his spirit. And as we're growing in our love for God, God transforms us and we become more like Jesus. And the more we are like Jesus, the more we begin to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we long to see that they're introduced to Christ and know Christ and have their sins removed permanently and then grow up in their faith and that they too begin to multiply. In other words, multiplication is a very natural byproduct of our maturity. So a disciple is one who is maturing and multiplying other worshipers for Jesus Christ. Okay? That is uh, the mission of the church, not Grace Bible Church, but the church, capital C, big C, the church everywhere in the world. That's our mission. Now, I also believe that God gives each local church uh, unique opportunities to do just this. 
Okay? Every church has unique location, unique uh, constituencies that surround it, uh, unique talents and gifts that are placed within the church. And I believe God has done that for our church as well. We've historically called those uh, the four pillars of our church. They're not uh, unique in a sense, but uh, they're special. These are things that we feel like God has called us to emphasize. There are four of them. The first is the word of God. We're a Bible church. So on Sunday mornings, I'm going to teach the Bible. Uh, Hopefully you're not going to get just lots of my opinions. (laughs) <laughs> probably have to suffer through a few of my opinions, but not lots of my opinions. We're going to teach the Bible. In our adult Bible fellowships, we're going to study the Bible. In our home church groups, we're going to study the Bible. In Sunday school classes and everywhere else, we're going to teach the Bible. Now, we may do topical studies, but they're going to be rooted in the Bible because we believe that the Word of God is living and active. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces right down to the very core of your being, and it can transform you. When you hear it and you listen to it and you obey it, it transforms you. We believe in the power of the word of God. So we, we teach the word of God. That's what we emphasize. And not just that you, you, you know it and recognize that it's true, but that you know how to open the word of God for yourself and feed yourself from the word of God, that you're equipped to do so. Okay? So one of our distinctives is the word of God. Second, the grace of God. We believe that the primary message from beginning to end is pointing to the grace of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ. That God has, has chosen to love us unconditionally because he's paid the debt of our sin in Christ. But the moment that you believe that debt of sin is removed permanently and you have a relationship with God that will last forever, you possess eternal life. So now when God looks upon you as a believer, he accepts you in Christ even when you sin, even when you fail. That doesn't mean that we disregard obedience and holiness. No, we're, we're striving to become like Christ, but we're doing so in an atmosphere of absolute unconditional acceptance because God loves us in Christ. We believe in the grace of God through Christ. Okay, so we emphasize it over and over and over again. Third, students and families together. We believe that God has given us a great opportunity to reach onto the campus, and the campus is filled with potential disciples and disciple makers. Right? Students, uh, as you know, people trust Christ in the United States of America, 77% roughly before the age of 21. So the campus, high school, junior high, and our school system, that's where people are most receptive to the gospel. Students on campus in particular are in the process of making some of their most significant life decisions. They're choosing spouse they're choosing career, and most importantly, they're choosing their value system, which for most of them will carry them from college all the way through life. Uh, many of them are still idealistic. They still believe their lives can count for something. They believe that they can make an impact and have their lives count for eternity. And so you can capture that idealism and invest in that idealism. And I believe that God has given us a special opportunity to invest in students at the same time. Our ministry to students is as effective as we have mature adults and families in this congregation. So I believe that the real power of this church is we, when we bring students and families together, when students have an opportunity to see uh, what's it like at the next stage of life to be a, a single out in the workplace or to be a young married or to have children or to be uh, in the workplace or to be retired and they can sit in a worship service along with mature adults and they can sit in a Bible study or a home church group and they can begin uh, to see a model of that. And so for our adults, I've had so many of you tell me that, you know, especially in the fall when all the students come back, it's incredibly motivating 
to see students sitting here who are, who are worshiping Jesus Christ, holding nothing back. It's motivating and it's a wonderful opportunity for us as a church to invest in these future leaders in, in government, in education, uh, in science, in, in the community. We're investing in the future. And I believe that's the real power of the church when we bring these two together, mature adults and students drawn together in one church, one body. And so really our, our name reflects the vision of the church. We're Grace Bible Church. Okay? Multiple generations sitting together, worshiping together, growing together as we emphasize the grace of God as written in the word of God. Okay, those are the first three pillars of our church. The fourth is missions. Again, as a, as a church grows and uh, goes through time, normally churches become more and more inwardly focused which is the opposite of the reason why we're here. We are here to be salt and light and to make disciples of all nations. And so God has, from the very inception of this church, laid it on our hearts to be a missions-minded church, to be thinking about men and women from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Before we had hardly any financial resources to give, this church had its first missions conference, and they scraped together a few dollars and gave it to a missionary. And since that point in time, we've had a missions conference almost every year, We've added missionaries every year. We now support 78 full-time missionaries at home and abroad. We have another 21 who are on one or two-year projects, and we just commissioned 300 for summer projects, who will be the future missionaries from Grace Bible Church. Now, that may not sound remarkable to you, but from this church, almost, almost every, with the exception of just one or two of our missionaries, came from this church. They grew up in this church or they were matured in this church. They were involved at some level in this church. Almost every single one of our missionaries fits in that category. Again, that may not sound remarkable to you, but I know uh, pastors, friends who are around the country and they don't have a single missionary from their church. Okay, they're, they're asking me from time to time, do you know someone who would like to have another home church to, to support them? Because they don't have anyone being raised up out of their church to go to the nations. Well, we have the exact opposite problem. We have so many people leaving that it is difficult for us to support all all of them, which is a wonderful problem to have. It's indicative of the fact that God has given us a vision to reach the nations. Now, as we have been faithful to that vision, God has blessed and multiplied this church. Uh, For those of you who are uh, maybe a little bit new to grace, let me give you uh, a little bit of our history. Grace began in 1965. It actually began as Bryan Baptist Temple. It began down in Bryan, then became Grace Baptist Church, and then it became Grace Bible Church. Uh, it began in Bryan in the 70s. It moved across the street. If you've never been in the college auditorium, you should go in there and walk around sometime. The, the college auditorium, that was Grace Bible Church. Okay, the little overflow rooms were the Sunday school rooms. That was our auditorium. Um, about 1980, we began in earnest a, a college ministry. And so we rented from the uh, daycare. It used to be called French's Nursery. And the college class began over there. And college students sat on these little tiny chairs like this with their knees up here, you know, by their ears. And that thing just exploded. And as it grew and grew and grew, church decided to build a gym. The gym housed the college ministry. And then there were some more Sunday school classes. And it continued to grow. And we were out of space. And we were struggling. You know, what's next? God, what have you called us to? And then God dropped this property into our laps, which is another really wonderful story of the grace of God. Um, 
I may keep you long because I just like telling stories. But I'll just slip this story in, okay? Um, we're looking for property, didn't know where God would provide. And it just so happened that the Pope was coming to Texas in the following year. And so the Catholic diocese out of San Antonio needed to raise money. They had some property here in College Station and they sold it to Grace Bible Church. They didn't tell the Catholic churches here locally that they were selling it to us. They found out that afterwards, which they didn't really appreciate. But we added a little extra money and everybody was happy. Okay? And we got this property, which was perfectly suited for us. We built this new building in the 90s. And almost immediately, we started two services and both services were filled. And so we wrestled and we struggled. Okay, now what do we do? With this growth, uh, how, do we, how do we ease our crowding? And we had uh, discussion after discussion after discussion. How do we ease the crowding? How do we ease the crowding? What do we do? Um, we commissioned through the years several groups to go out and find us more property so we could sell this place, get bigger property, build some bigger buildings. And every time the discussion would start and then it would just stop. and It start and stop and we'd crash every time. And then one time we were sitting around and we we're having this discussion how do we ease the crowding? And, and it was like, um, I don't know, I don't want to say light from heaven, but because it just seems so simple now, but we realized we were having the wrong discussion. The issue is not how do you ease crowding, but how do we more effectively make disciples? I mean, you know, it may sound very simple to us now, but it was just like this barrier and God wouldn't let us proceed because we just really didn't get it. It had been a part of our history, but we didn't get it that what we need to be looking forward to is not how to ease crowding, but how can we as a church more effectively make disciples given the distinctives of this church? Then as that became clear, it became obvious that we can't sell this property. Can't sell it. Because it's so close to the campus, it allows us to be effective in reaching onto the campus. We can't sell the property. So now, how do we more effectively multiply? In that context, I believe God led us to, we came upon uh, a strategy that was being used by churches around the co- country called multi-site. And multi-site means simply this. You have one church and it meets at multiple campuses. A lot of times they shoot a video feed to all these different campuses. We decided, you know, that is, that's not really us. That doesn't fit with us. But what does fit with us is spiritual multiplication. Okay? Growing and maturing and then as a result, multiplying. How can we most effectively do it? Well, we could start a new campus. We could share a budget. We can share governance. We can share uh, resources, uh, people, uh, ideas, curriculum. Uh, We can share all these things and gain those economies of scale, so to speak, and have multiple sites. And as we stumbled upon this, or as the Lord led us to it, we began talking about it. It was like, yeah, you know, that really fits us. And at that moment, God dropped in our laps the Southwood campus. And if you're around for that whole discussion, it was really exciting because staff and elders and the whole congregation realized, okay, you know, that fits, that works, that's us. And we were able to purchase that campus in uh, 2008 and began uh, an, another work. Now, since that point in time, God has allowed our church to, to really grow okay, in maturity and also numerically. When we began that, I think we sent over about 150 or 200 members from the Anderson campus and immediately, it was crowded here again, okay? It filled up again. Uh, if you <laughs> have been sitting here in, in uh, September or January when all the students come back in, you know, you know what that feels like. Uh, we now average here at Anderson about 
uh, 2,000 on a typical school year Sunday morning. Okay, this area here probably holds about 800, and we usually put two or 300, sometimes even 400, into these overflows. So we're averaging about 2,000 in worship services. College is averaging 700 in their worship services. The youth is averaging about 140 in their worship services. So uh, we have about just a little under 3,000, 2840 roughly, in worship services here at Anderson. Now, Southwood in 2008, they began uh, with about 275 people in one worship service. Uh, they now have, and about 130 in their college worship service. They now have two worship services. They started a second worship service. They're averaging a little over 700 in the two services and about 300 in, about 350 in their college worship services. So that combined with their youth and what's going on in youth, uh, Southwood has about 1,055 or roughly a third of what's happening here at Anderson. Altogether, we've got about 4,000 people between the two sites worshiping on a typical school year Sunday morning. To me, what's even more significant is we have about 50% of those people who are in some form of a small group. Okay, they're in some kind of discipleship group or Bible study, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, home church groups, adult Bible fellowships. About a half of our folks are experiencing spiritual growth in those contexts as well, which to me is an even better indicator of how our church is moving forward uh, and growing. Now, one of the things we've also witnessed is um, as the church has grown numerically, it's also grown financially. Our budget in 2000 was 1.2 million. It's increased about 150,000 to 200,000 each year, and it's 3.3 million today. And to me, what's most remarkable about all that is um, throughout the entire recession, we've always stayed in the black. Okay? God has always provided, provided for all of our needs. Uh, we've always been able to pay all of our bills. We haven't had to lay people off. God has provided for absolutely everything. And For me, as I was thinking back through this message this week, it was just a a wonderful reflection and opportunity for me to just personally worship and say, God, thank you for your obvious faithfulness and your guidance. And at every point in time that we have been called to make a new move or do something different, God has made it clear what that step would be. And he's really brought our church to unanimity on these things. And so I just reflected this week. I said, God, thank you. Praise you for your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God, to this church at every step of the path, at every juncture. So where that leaves us, though, is what's next, God? Uh, This last semester, pastors and elders have been talking, um, praying, seeking the Lord. God, make it clear. What is next for us as a church? And there are two things that the Lord has laid upon our heart. I want to share with you this morning. The first is, I believe that God is calling us first and foremost to strengthen our foundation that is mature. Before we think about what we give to others, we need to think about where are we spiritually. Let's make the foundation stronger. First Thessalonians, Paul wrote, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that just as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. I don't think there's anything huge or major that we're doing wrong, but I feel like God is saying, excel still more. Throughout the Bible, we are are constantly encouraged to be content with our circumstances, even suffering. To be content with God's provision, even when we lack. But we are also encouraged to be 
extremely discontent with where we are spiritually. We should never be content. Paul says, I press on. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on, I press on, I press on. We should always have a a holy sense of discontent with where we are spiritually. And as a church, I believe that God is saying, go deeper. Dig the foundation even deeper. Make it stronger. Grow in your likeness to Jesus Christ. Or as he says in Colossians, We proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete or mature in Christ. Every man, every woman, every child, mature in Christ. Always going deeper and deeper and deeper with Christ. Before we think about multiplying, because if we're maturing, we will naturally multiply. And if we multiply, we're always going to be struggling with space problems and discomfort. And we'll address those as a secondary or as a result. But the goal is, first, grow deeper with Christ. Now, what does that mean? A couple things that I feel like God is calling us to focus on this next year, this next school year. First, pray. uh, And then pray some more. uh, And then keep praying. Why? Because spiritual growth is a supernatural process. You and I cannot make ourselves grow. It is the power of God's spirit that actually reaches down and transforms us into the likeness of Christ so that our natural reactions to things become like Christ. Our natural reactions become not out of the flesh, but driven by the spirit. And we react to things in terms of our speaking or our our emotions or our will that are just like Christ would act. We can't change ourselves we can humble ourselves. Say, God, we submit to you to transform us. So I would encourage you to pray for a few things. First, pray this year that you would look back on this school year and say, God, I see how I am different. I see the manifestation of your spirit through me. I I see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. I see these things more and more flowing from my life. Pray for yourself individually and pray for our church and get really serious about that. Okay. Second, pray for protection for our church. For every single one of us, if our church is actually moving forward with the great commandment and the great commission, if we're actually on track, we should expect Satan to attack us. He has attacked us in the past. He will continue. Church, Satan hates us. He hates the church. He wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy it, make it absolutely ineffective so that it is not salt and light. It is not like Jesus. And so our most effective tool in fighting off the attacks of Satan is that we get on our knees and we say, God, we are not powerful enough. We are powerless, but your spirit is powerful and can overcome. Please protect us and guard us from Satan's attacks. I feel like God is calling us to move forward in prayer this year. Colossians chapter one, Paul prays, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Since Paul couldn't constantly be with the churches, he said, I will instead constantly pray for you and I will pray constantly that you become more and more and more like Jesus Christ, filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and insight, always growing and augmenting and increasing in the knowledge of God and in the practice of godliness. Now, second, I believe that God is calling us to become better equipped. Okay, 
deeper in the faith, better equipped, ready to reproduce. Book of Hebrews, it says, solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. In other words, the transformation that we're talking about, being made like Jesus, I mean really like Jesus, we can't accomplish ourselves, it's the power of the Spirit, but we can cooperate. Solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern in good and evil. In other words, there are specific ways that we can cooperate with the work of God's Spirit in our lives or alternatively resist it. And I believe that God is calling us to specific actions of cooperating with his spirit to make ourselves individually and as a church more and more mature. Three things in particular that we're going to look at this next year. First, we're going to launch a new children's curriculum. Um, Now, the name of the curriculum is is Orange. And I get it, right? It's... um, this is College Station, and we shouldn't have a curriculum called Orange. And you know, but you buy somebody else's curriculum; it's really good. And you got to take the name. someday we're going to write our own. We'll call it Maroon. I got it, right? So don't don't talk to me about that. I got it. Okay. So the point is, it's an illustration. You've got uh, the families in the church, red and yellow, working together makes orange. Okay. Don't worry about that part. Okay. Uh, <laughs> In August, we are going to spend a morning, Sunday morning, and we're going to talk about how this works. The goal of this is to help better equip our adults, our families, to disciple their own children. Okay? So what we do now in these classrooms on Sunday morning, you're able to reemphasize, reinforce all throughout the week. Okay? That's why I think this is a really strong curriculum. Spend a Sunday morning in August talking through that. So that's one of the things we're going to emphasize. A second is we want to clarify our adult discipleship model. And what I mean by that is uh, imagine that you're brand new to Grace Bible Church. You walk in the door, and you're a brand new believer. I want it to be very clear that you could sit down with anyone else sitting next to you in the pew and say, I'm a brand new believer. Where do I go? How do I grow? What's next? And that every single member of Grace Bible Church would know how to take a brand new believer and help them take the next step. Or maybe you sit down and you've been a believer for 20 years. You've been growing in your faith. That it would be really clear, no matter who you're sitting next to, here's what's next. Okay, Here's how I can press on at Grace Bible Church. There are resources available. That's one of the reasons this summer we're going to focus on the essentials curriculum. Now, uh, if if you've been through essentials before, either with us, or you've gone through these same concepts with uh, Navigators or IV or Crusade, uh, then what I want you to do, this semester, is I want you to focus on going deeper in your own equipping. Uh, Whenever I take a group through Essentials, I have them do a blank page test. Okay, so we finish one lesson, and I say, take out a blank piece of paper. Sometimes I let them use their Bibles. Sometimes I say, no Bible. Just got a blank piece of paper. Imagine that uh, really all you've got is a napkin and a pen, and you're sitting at Chili's, and you realize that this person has just trusted Christ over chips and salsa. You got 45 minutes left, and they say, now what? What's next? Can you, with nothing, no, no props, no resources in front of you, the blank page say, yeah, you know, let, let me teach you first assurance of salvation. Okay, let me teach you eternal security. Let me teach you about the deity of Jesus Christ. Let me teach you about spiritual warfare. Let me teach you how to pray. Let me teach you these things. Uh, Maybe you've got your Bible and you can refer to the verses, you know the references, or even better, all the verses that are really critical and key, they're hidden in your heart. 
And you have a passion and a vision and you're equipped to reproduce your spiritual life in one other person. Okay? So you may have seen all of this before, but this summer... Uh, it's going to be a rotation. We're going to have different pastors standing up. And every, every week, you're going to get an application point. And um, I'm going to make you as uncomfortable as possible. Uh, one of your application points every week will be this. Go reproduce it with one other person. Teach one other person. Even if they think they already know it. Go ahead and teach one other person. You don't have to use exactly this outline. But just teach these concepts to one other person. Because as we're growing and maturing and we're loving more and more and more what God loves... God loves for people to be like Christ. And he loves them to be equipped so that they can reproduce the life of Christ in someone else. The more we love God, the more we'll love the things God loves. So we're going to spend some time. Uh, the elders specifically asked us to go through Essentials curriculum this summer. That's what we're going to be focusing on. Okay? As a part of our overall discipleship model. And then third, as a very practical step, we need to increase our space for children, youth, and our adult Bible fellowships. Um, those of you who don't have small children may not be aware of the fact, but this semester and fall semester here at Anderson and at Southwood, we have had Sundays where parents have showed up with their kids to drop them off in the nursery, and we've had to say, no, sorry, you cannot worship in peace this morning. <laughs> we do not have space for your child. And send them back in here, which honestly, it doesn't bother me. I can't, it doesn't disturb me a bit. It may disturb some of you around, but it doesn't bother me. But it's hard for the parent. Okay? We, we have been out of space. And our Sunday schools have grown to the extent that we've had to push our adult Bible fellowships out of the children's wing, largely. And if you're in one of those adult Bible fellowships, let me just say now, thank you for being willing to move so the kids can stay together because it's important to the parents. But we want to make room for our adult Bible fellowships too. We don't have any space to start new ones here or at Southwood. But those adult Bible fellowships have proven to be extremely effective in the discipleship process for our adults. It's a smaller setting. You can know one another. You can discuss and debate the word of God. You can think through how to apply it and talk about it. You can hold one another accountable. You can care for one another's needs. I have seen in our adult Bible fellowships people caring for one another. When somebody's sick or they're hurting or they're in financial needs, our adult Bible fellowships have paid bills for one another given meals to one another, prayed for one another. That is one of the means that God has given us that's extremely effective. We want to make room for that. So hopefully this summer or next year, we will be adding some portable buildings at both sites, maybe behind the gym. There's a grassy area there. We probably have to improve the road so we can put a portable building there uh, along the side of the parking lot over at Southwood. Um, my desire, what I'm praying for, is that God would raise the money, probably 200000 to put up two or three of those. So we would have space, simply, uh, that we're running out of for children, but also for Club 56, junior high, high school, and our adults. Okay, So those are just some practical things that we're going after. Now, that's the strengthening side. Second thing I believe that God is calling us to is that we extend okay, or multiply. It's a natural byproduct. As we're maturing, we multiply. Maybe you're saying to yourself, well, we just started Southwood three years ago. Why do we need to multiply? Simple answer is this. We're here this morning, aren't we? The world didn't end. I stayed up late. <laughs> but the world didn't end. And Jesus didn't come back for the church. 
We haven't been raptured and the guy in California wasn't right yet. He'll try again. (laughs) So here we are, right? The church is still on earth. Church is still on earth and there are tens of thousands of people in our community, on the campus, throughout the world that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or they don't have a church in which they can grow and mature. That means Grace Bible Church will always be looking at maturing until God just comes and takes us home. Okay? So if you're part of this church, you need to realize we are always going to be looking at multiplying. Okay? We're always going to be looking at multiplying. Now, how do we do that? A couple ideas. First, we need to get prepared for our next site. We're not ready to start a new site tomorrow. We're not ready. I know that. As a matter of fact, for a couple of reasons. First, God hasn't made it clear. And every time we've made a big step, God has made it clear. It's not clear yet. Therefore, I conclude we're not ready. (laughs) And when we are ready, God will make it clear. I've I've been at Grace Bible Church now 18 years. I've been on staff 18 years. And I can testify to you, God has always been faithful. Faithful. And my confidence in him has grown and grown and grown. Personally, my confidence, I have absolute confidence when we're ready to make the next step, it'll be clear. There are a few things, though, that I have seen as we open Southwood. Lessons learned, steps we can take to get ourselves ready. And one of those is we're beginning to set aside a little bit of money out of our budget to what I describe as pay it forward. Okay, Put away some money so that when God does make it clear, we've got a few funds so we can rent a facility or make a down payment on a facility or hire some staff. Uh, Southwood opening really worked well because we'd already had some staff who were here. They spent some time with us. They knew us. Uh, They knew some of the congregation. They were trusted. And then they were able to go. And it started strong. So we can begin to put a little bit of money aside and begin to pay it forward. Anticipate the next thing. Uh, Second thing that we can do is begin to pay down our debt. We don't it's not huge. It's 3.1 million given our budget. Uh, that's not a, an overwhelming amount. It's not swamping us. Uh, we are paying it and we are paying ahead of schedule. We have always paid off our debts early. Uh, but I would like to see us pay it down significantly so that it doesn't become a hindrance to us. So when the next opportunity comes available, we're ready. Okay, we're ready to leap. We're ready to launch. Our, our body is deeper in maturity. Some of these bills have been paid down we're ready to hear God speak. Okay. So we need to be thinking about our next site. Okay. Getting prepared. Not ready today, but we need to be thinking toward it. Uh, second, we need to speak our message. We need to speak it more broadly and more clearly right where we are. We're not unique in the sense of unique, meaning the only one, right? That there are churches that do teach the grace of God and emphasize the word of God. But I will tell you, they're rare that really say the gospel is free and the grace of God is power to change your life. You are unconditionally loved in Jesus Christ. And you can trust the word of God. It is the word of God. It's authoritative. It's powerful. That's rare. And so what has happened for us in the last several years is uh, increasingly I've seen more and more churches that are, that are coming to us and they're saying, can you, can you resource us? Can you help us think through our mission? And one of the things that I believe is appealing about our mission is that it's so simple <laughs> And it's biblical. Yeah, great commandment, great commission. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then go multiply in others. And so they're asking us those questions. They're coming to us uh, for resources. Let me give you a few statistics. You know, you know uh, I'm an economics major, and I like statistics, and they prove things. 
Uh, they illustrate things, sorry. A um, couple of illustrations for you. Uh, last year, our visits to our website were up 17%. Uh, we got hit 94,000 times. Uh, our membership is about around 1,000, a little under 1,000, but we had 94,000 hits on the website. We had uh, 70,000 sermon downloads. Okay. I say, wow, <laughs> 70,000, are you kidding? I, I wouldn't want to listen to me that much. Um, <laughs> But they're not all me, you know, not, not just downloading me. Um, but that's up 52%. Okay, sermon downloads up 52%. Most of those are from the United States, but the second greatest number are, are downloaded from China. And there are actually 207 countries last year that downloaded sermons, okay, among those 70,000. Uh, I want to give you a, a, an email. This is actually not written to me. It was written to Matt Morton about a sermon that Matt preached in the college ministry last year. This young man wrote Matt and he said, I just wanted to email you to say thank you so much for your sermons. I live in Lebanon, Oregon, so a pretty good distance from your church and college. I wish I could say thank you in person. I discovered Grace Bible Sermons on iTunes and so now I listen to your podcasts on the long drives to school. Recently I was in a great amount of despair because my religion class was turning my faith into a myth. Little by little, I began to question the Bible and its truths. It's miracles and it's prophets. It hurt because everything I had known felt like it was slipping out from under me. Then behold, one day I was looking through my downloads and you had begun your hard questions series. You helped some of my deepest questions be calmed. You helped me to renew my faith, beginning with the foundation. It was just in time. So again, I'm just so grateful for your knowledge because I, trust, I can trust that it is his knowledge. Thank you for doing the work of the Lord and speaking his truth. Okay? That student will never uh, come, will never visit the church, but all the way up in Oregon or in China or in Africa can download a sermon and can have access to this teaching. Third area, our Bible study downloads increased 55% last year. We had 24,000 Bible studies downloaded. You know, the ones that are on the website, we have 16 of them posted right now. They're all free. Okay? They're copyrighted, but they're all free. We say, Take it, use it, don't change it, don't make a profit. Enjoy. Uh, a lot of them are used throughout the U.S. They're used, uh, right now our Bible studies are used in about 30 different churches in the United States. They're used in Central America and they're used in, in Africa. They're used in, in Asia. Uh, we have people calling us uh, periodically and saying, can we translate your study? And we say, absolutely, translate it. Just be faithful to the text. Uh, all of these things, we don't really, we don't do anything to promote our stuff. We actually, we stink at promotion right now. So one of the things we want to do this next year is get it out, okay? Market it in a, in a good way. Okay? Not to bring glory to Grace Bible Church, but to resource the body of Christ, okay? Because God has just given us an opportunity to do so. So we want to speak our message and speak it better and louder and more clearly. Uh, we have a, a former students that will write us all the time from throughout the world Say, I'm leading a study with what I learned here because you taught me not just what was truth, but how to seek out truth for myself and to reproduce it for other, others. You gave me equipping and you gave me vision. So we want to get better at speaking our message. It's one of the things we're going to emphasize this next year. Third, we want to grow our internship program. Uh, again, some of you may not even be aware of the fact that uh, our internship program was started by Jeff Payne 16 years ago. In that uh, time, we have graduated 50 interns, 
Okay? As of this fall, we will have 50 interns come through our program. Some of them are at churches and parachurch ministries. Some are in the U.S., some are throughout the world, some are in the workplace, some are at home. They are incredibly well-equipped individuals, not just to study the word on their own, but to teach and train others and to multiply. They have uh, knowledge. They also have vision. And in fact, uh, four of our pastors are the result of that internship program. Jamie, Blake, Trey, and Matt all came through the internship program. They've helped resource us, and we've been able to resource other churches. And as I review all that, I say, wow, God, thank you for your faithfulness to this church. May we excel still more. Now, as we close, you know, I never like to end any sermon without application. So I'm going to give you three application points, okay? First is this. Pray. I mean, really, seriously. You know, we lots of sermons on prayer, and we talk about prayer, and we all say, I should pray more. I, I want to exhort us as a church to humble ourselves and pray. God, would you take us deeper? Would you guard and protect us from Satan's attacks? As a church, let's pray. Second, Give. Uh, you know, uh, especially if you're visiting. Okay, if you're visiting, we don't talk about money here much as a church. Um, when we do, the message is this. Uh, God owns everything. Okay, he's the owner of everything. Um, and with these resources you have, whether it's your money or your talents, your time, give to him as an act of worship. We don't preach tithing per se. That's 10%. But in, even in the Old Testament, that 10% was given first, and then there were free will offerings and gifts to the poor, and et cetera, et cetera. And so the point of the Old Testament and the New Testament is much more simple. It is this, give generously, give sacrificially, and give as an act of worship. Don't give because you think God needs your money, because he doesn't. He owns everything. He made everything. One of the things we have seen this last year is we've gotten literally tens of thousands of dollars given to this church from people who don't even go to this church. So, Whatever God's vision is for this church, he will supply. Don't give because you think God needs it. Give because you believe in what God is doing in your life and through your life and you want to give back as an act of worship. Okay? But I would challenge you and encourage you to give, but just as you would always give, so to speak. Okay? Third, examine yourself. Where are, where are you spiritually? Maybe there are things in your life that God is saying to you, confess that sin. And if you need help, let's bring people alongside you to move on past that sin. Or maybe he's saying, you know, here's an area in which you have a weakness. Let's grow, let's mature, let's become complete in Christ in this area. Or a character quality that you want to move forward on. Or maybe there's a talent that God is saying, that talent, you can use that in the lives of others. Whether it's with one or ten or a thousand. Whether it's at home or the work place or your neighborhood. God's saying, I want that. I want you to worship me through that. I would encourage you to think about these three things. Pray, give, and then examine yourself. What is God calling you to? And then let's look forward and say, God, allow us to excel still more. Just pray with me, please. Father, I thank you for your perfect faithfulness. Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. I thank you that you have demonstrated that in the history of this church over and over and over again. And so we have confidence as we look to the future. I pray that you'd lead us forward and we would not move forward in in pride or in fear, but that we would move forward in great humility and dependence upon you. God, thank you for your blessings. 
Thank you that you blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, don't forget, five o'clock, Deacon say show up on time and you will be fed. See you at the picnic. <laughs>